overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Good evening, and welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just glad I didn't have to introduce it. Well, you know, we don't, we don't we try know to, where my strength. We don't I'm try to live put you in my the, giftedness. That's right. We don't put you on the spot anymore. We have seen how that goes. Yes. Well, we are super excited because this um, this year, for the first time ever, we are doing mid season man sessions. Woo! Bum, bum, bum. That's right. So we have never before interviewed a man on embarrassment of riches, but this year we are going to interview. Uh, we're going to have four episodes where we have men from D- DBC who are going to join us. And tonight, Laura, who do we have? We have Jeff Mousa. Did I say it right? Absolutely. Oh, there we go. There he is. Hey, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> How are y'all? We're good. And we are very thankful that you're here. I'm and, excited. Um, it's very brave. And you did ask right before we started recording, am I the first guy to do this? And yes, you are. But also, I've been here, which makes it kind of feel like there's been a guy all along, because I do say that my inner spirit animal is an adolescent boy. So <laughs> that's who I am. Yes. And mm. if I, I think it would be hard to not know who Jeff Mousa is, but Jeff Mousa is uh, the executive pastor. Is that, is that the accurate term? Executive yes. pastor at Dallas Bible. Um, we really love him and appreciate his support of the podcast. And one of the reasons why we asked him is because he is so vocal about that. And we do appreciate it. And we want to get to know you better. And you're just very easy to talk to. Great. And hear from. Um, well, start by telling us just, I did ask you before, which we always say that we reference our before. Earlier <laughs> before. But I asked you, you've lived in all sorts of different places, but where did it all start? Ooh, so it all started under a star okay. that is not the star of Texas. Um, it was the star of Roanoke, Virginia, okay. Shenandoah Valley. And there's a giant lit up star um, right there. And I was born and lived the first part of my life there. How, what's, how many years is the first part? Uh, up through about uh, first grade, up through first grade. Okay, well, give so. us a little rundown about like your childhood, your growing up, your family a little bit. From the childhood perspective, um, yeah, so I use a word uh, when I typically te- share my stories um, is hurt, mm. okay? And so childhood has a lot of that hurt yeah. components within it. Um, so we were, I was born in Roanoke, Virginia. My dad was the CFO of the hospital there. Um, and my mom was just great, stay-at-home mom, super supportive of everything that we were doing. I had two older sisters um, who were born before me, and... Was as older sisters sometimes are. Yeah, typically they are. Um, they are, and they were <laughs> almost uh, always. Almost always, sometimes. Um, I, I guess you would say we were the a a typical family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and growing up in Virginia, um, there, I've blocked a lot of the memories of the great stories because of the hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't tell you a lot of the friends or even what. Uh, life was like, but I remember a couple things. I remember um, being in church, mm-hmm. um, and I remember going, and there's always this tree outside that we would climb and play around on, and um, and I remember also having to leave the church mm-hmm. and also having to leave Virginia, and a lot of that was due to my parents' divorce, mm-hmm. and so when that took place, my mom ended up taking the three of, of, of us and went to South Carolina, um, but also in the 80s, when you get divorced... You, it wasn't really received well in the church. Mm-hmm. And so the denomination mm-hmm. we were part of, the church we were part of, it was just not received well. And so just the hurt of, of losing my father and the relationship formed with him, of being separated from him, the hurt then also of just 
not being in a church um, mm-hmm. and how that church treated us. So it was a lot of loss. It was a lot of loss, a lot of loss. And, and hurt, root. like like you said, hurt, because, I mean, it sounds like you felt rejected a little bit by the church for something mm-hmm. that you couldn't, we couldn't control, control or change. or Absolutely, yeah. No, it was... Um, and it's and it's it's a lingering hurt. You've seen that hurt play out both played out in my mom's life as well as in my mm-hmm. father's life, and yeah, that's that's kind of the early childhood mm-hmm. ages. We land in South Carolina where my grandparents dad stayed are. back. My dad, yes, he stayed okay. um, in Virginia. He relocated. His job um, takes him quite a bit everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Jeff um, in South Carolina, were y'all living in the Clemson area or Greenville, the Greenville. upstate? Okay, so where my dad, right? Mm-hmm. Where right my where, dad's from. That's it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Greenville, the upstate of South Carolina. Um it's part of the same herd as it was, but we moved a lot. Uh, single mom, um three kids who almost, hadn't been working. You said she was working. stay at home. She was a stay at home could uh, almost every year due to lack of money behind on rent, utilities. I transitioned school, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth oh, man. grade. Um, then went to middle school, got to stay in middle school, the same school for three years. Um, but we still moved twice during that time. And so it was just this constant hurt, never forming relationships. Did it feel chaotic? Uh, my mom ma- masked a lot mm-hmm. of the chaos. Um, and I had two older sisters who were super protective too. Mm-hmm. So I would say, no, it never felt chaotic. It was just like the, a normal. This is This is how family operates. This mm-hmm. is what you do. You move and you go somewhere else and you move and you go somewhere else. But we always stayed in and around Greenville for that period. So And so that was through middle school. Were mm-hmm. you guys in church through no. that? Not in church. Not at church at all. Okay. So how did you start getting back into church? Where did where where did you develop yeah. your faith? So that's a great that'd be my second word that we use. So we go from hurt, we go to family. Um seventh grade, my mom. I met a gentleman by the name of uh, David, and and he he's a truck driver. And I tell people that just to give you an idea of the mm-hmm. personality of what he was doing. He was he was multi million mile truck oh, driver wow. over the road who radically got saved um, while driving a truck. And when he met my mom, he said, "Hey, that's great. If we're going to get married, your kids and your family are going to be in church. And here's where we go. And I won't date you until you come." Mm-hmm. And so I tell people I had a truck driver drug me to church <laughs> like you didn't want to go oh no not at first could you remember didn't anything about wounding. it it was hurt it was yeah mm-hmm. why wouldn't I want to be there and we ended up in this small little um a, a church in a city called Greer and uh, my mom ended up marrying him and we started attending this church and then there's a lot of stories but they be, it became family mm-hmm. um for someone who was constantly moving around in in different apartments or homes and schools and um, all of a sudden you're, you're plugged in as a middle schooler and and you're there and there's only 20, 25 of us in a youth group, right? But um, it was adopted immediately by this church and just loved on well um, by members of all age brackets in our church, cared for well. Um, it's interesting, the same church my mom and my stepdad got married in, both my sisters did, Leslie and I did as well. And we just, it is still, it's a family to this day. There's members of that church who will reach out for us, pray for us. They know we're in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. It has a huge heart for me. I show back up when they have their homecomings and revivals and would love to be there. Um, grew up in sawdust, Appalachian-style tent revivals. Oh, so wow. that's how we got back that's to legit. church. I was drugged to it. Um, and Kicking it became and family. It was. And I love. Um, I I love that image of like that adoption. Um, mm-hmm. I I I'm, I think I shared in our life group. We we, we were reading. Um, that uh, what's that guy's name? John Mark Comer mm-hmm. hit that the ruthless elimination, uh, of, ruthless hurry. elimination mm-hmm. of hurry, and he was talking about how like the way of Jesus, like how how important the way of Jesus was, and how like that slow pace, um, that that. Um, intentional intentionality, the time that Jesus gave to people, and I, 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 I shared in our life group how, like, as somebody that didn't grow up in a family that lived that way, mm-hmm. going to college and becoming a believer and being in a church like this tiny little, tiny little church mm-hmm. in rural Louisiana, where they loved on you, had time for you, mm-hmm. where, I, I mean, where you really felt adopted into the family, like still those, yeah. those mm-hmm. people still love me, still know me. 
Um, and, and it's, it's especially now as a, as a, you know, 40 something odd year old woman uh, and as busy as my life can be to, to think about the amount of time that those people allowed this college student, this like orphan college student to spend with them. It's just, you know, it really makes such, such a huge difference. So like, to me, I don't have a, I don't have the background of a church hurt. I, I, Thank goodness. I, I just have this background of church loving me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and they did. They they adopted. They brought me in. Men in the church um, taught me things, mm-hmm. uh, coached, took me on trips with their families. Uh, we we were able just... They allowed me to serve, which is a huge thing, um, to be able to serve in a local church at a young age, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just gave you opportunities to fail. Um, they uh, They gave you a ton of grace when you did it. Um, they they applauded your success, uh, and it was this and it was this local church that you know I gave my first opportunity to to preach for our youth group. Mm. Uh, we were part of a, an organization called Word of Life, um, which oh, would do. That, and then they have that their main thing is in New York, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. in Schroenwijk, New York, New York, and you would do competitions on different talents or singing, acting, artwork, musical, and one mm. was preaching. And so I'm 16 years old, and I get the opportunity to preach my first message uh, at our church, which then later, um, pastors had left different things gone. The family truly adopted me. Um, as I was figuring out what God was doing in my life, um, they gave us an opportunity when I was in college to preach every Wednesday night um, oh, for wow. over a year and a half. And they just gave me the Wednesday night midweek services and allowed me to fail and gave me <laughs> grace and listen to really bad messages that were written in a McDonald's parking lot 40 minutes before. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. so that's when they're family, those they're napkin family. sermons are the well, best. And they they are, said, they said we're okay with you coming and not wanting to be here. Right. Like we're going to celebrate that you're here and we're yeah. going to welcome you right into the fold. Yeah. Do you remember a time where, um, God became more real to you where, where you would say, I, became a believer. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And the believer in the faith, when, when I say I received the, the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. uh, we were actually in a revival service at mm-hmm. our, at this church. It was in June of, um, and it was, it, the message, uh, this is just shows you how, uh, rural maybe I am, but I can remember the message was birthmarks of Christianity. And I'm, I'm the guy who's has been sitting in the church and thought, my life was great. I lived by the rules. Most people would have expected that I was already a Christian because I had mm-hmm. good behavior, good manners, and you know those. You're type showing of up to church, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was drugged to church, but still showing up. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sitting there, and the pastor's preaching about when when God truly um, overwhelms you with the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you're still going to have marks mm-hmm. of this new birth. And you're going to have things that you should be able to look at and say, I'm marked differently because of it. Um, and so, and I have a birthmark on my arm and I'm like, I, I know what this looks like. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories. I know, and I've not been marked the way mm-hmm. he's describing it. And um, white knuckled the pew during a invitation song. And then the Holy Spirit is just so rich. And this is not a charismatic church. We, I do have roots in the Church of God. Um, I do have roots in, in independent Baptist, but this is like just a standard service. But the Holy Spirit was so rich that night. Um, 16 people gave their life to Christ. Mm. Um, both my brother-in-law, my sisters, both of my mm. sisters, myself, my best oh, friend, wow. um, all were down that, that evening. And one of my good friends, um, dad, who was a missionary in Brazil, I was able to lead me to Christ there, mm-hmm. and it's still just a, a memory that I have in this family environment, and it's just through a revival message. Mm-hmm. And because somebody said, you need to go to church, like it started That's with it. saying, we know you've been hurt, that sucks, come get on Get over back. it. Yeah, get over it and come on <laughs> come back. On. If That's you it. want your mom to date me, you better show That's up. It. That's it. That's so. awesome. So then... Were you guys at that same church, even though you were moving, staying at the same school, mm-hmm. but moving? And then what was like, there was high school. Yeah. So yeah, high school stayed through it. The okay. whole, and that's kind of where um, I began to figure out what, what God wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. The big question of purpose, um, yeah. which is actually the third word. And we get to it. So we go from hurt, we go to family, mm-hmm. and we go to purpose. I know. It's almost um, like we've read your outline. No, but, but you haven't. You, you haven't. don't even see my notes. <laughs> right? It's just unfolding. Um, it is. It's a three-word testimony. It's a great tool. Um, and so after... It's almost like he's been to seminary. Almost. No, it's not even a seminary thing. This is a mission field thing. I learned thing. about three-word testimonies it. in Panama. 
Um, and you make word. my ninth grade girls do it. It is, <laughs> is we made all of our life group do it. So they've heard these words. <laughs> and if they're listening, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> so it was purpose. I figured out in high school, um, didn't really know what God was calling me to, knew that I had a love for the local church, knew that I wanted to study scripture, also love education. Mm. Um, and I knew my, my parents weren't going to be able to afford to send me to college. And I had the opportunity, and I traveled down to a small, really um, conservative, very rules-based school called Pensacola Christian College down mm. in Pensacola, Florida. And... I was able to go there um, and not cost anything to my mom. It's, it's at the time it was six thousand dollars a year, a year. I want room that and to board, tuition, all of it. You get Pensacola Christian College, and you, <laughs> you get, get Pensacola that's it. Christian College. And I was like, I got yeah. soccer and I got academics, and you're at the beach. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do that. Um, and while I was there, even though you've already revealed to us that you're not really a beach person, no, 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 I was not a beach person, but soccer and the beach, soccer and the beach, yeah, I can great. get down with that. Uh, Active beach, it was. Active beach, yeah. While I was there, Ooh, sorry, God I just really started. just started um, putting a love for the local church in my heart, mm. and I actually felt burdened to go back home to support the church I grew up in, um, and at that time, my parents had already left and gone on. They ended up being um, children house parents at a children's mm. home. And then my sisters had kind of already left. So I went back and uh, experienced more hurt during the way, but also had... It's almost um, like there's people at churches. There is. And uh, yeah, we've, we've... It's almost like they're not perfect. If you've ever... In the, they're not. And, <laughs> and you put a lot of faith in spiritual leaders sometimes mm-hmm. unknowingly, and, you, and we shouldn't. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I was young, and uh, it was in 2000... Um, freshman year kind of a college basically and uh the the pastor walked out on my sister's wedding that on a friday night of rehearsal and um man like he wasn't gonna do it yeah he refused to do it um mm. he refused to do it and he said it from the stage in front of lost people and church oh. people and oh. man it, again it's just like i'm flashing back to you know kindergarten jeff and hurt and and father figures walking away mm-hmm. from you. And I didn't know what God was up to. Mm-hmm. And I went to one of the deepest places I've ever been spiritually. Um, it lasted about nine months. Oh, wow. um, I, I was churched for anyone who's ever experienced church discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually churched during oh. this time and refused to Which that's serve. like next level... It is. It's where you, yeah, I was told I can't serve anywhere in the church. I'm allowed to show up. If I cause problems, I can be arrested on site. And you're so just we'll like, see what? your hurt and we'll raise you some hurt exactly. and more trauma. Why, but why, why, why? Um, it's the, or is that? It, there's a lot of whys I've asked him. Um, and I was also stubborn enough to ask him. Mm-hmm. Um, at this the is point, the same guy that walked out. Yeah. And, and that's what cr- led to being churched was the willingness. The answer that I got, I didn't like. Um, which was, you know, the actions of, of myself are a result of what your sister did. And my challenge, because I was stubborn, was um, I don't think that's biblical. I think we own our own responses, mm-hmm. and you can't blame someone else for your own actions. Uh, the whole deacon board was removed. It was crazy chaos. And but the, it puts a, it pla- it, it, did. it You already had a seed mm-hmm. planted when you were little, mm-hmm. and that feels like it fertilizes the seed. Like, see, look, this just... This yeah. happens at churches. It does. So, and what brought you out of that nine month well, darkness? The family. Mm. Word the family. two. That's the same. That that church family. Um, some several individuals uh, stood behind me. They were praying the entire time. Um, and really, what ended up doing it is uh, this was this will show some of my age. This was back when the Left Behind series was a real popular mm-hmm. book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stone. Yes. <laughs> what was his? What was? It, what was his? I read the first what, two. His, I can't his name was something like <laughs> oh, it was something ridiculous, like a soap opera name. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. wasn't sure. Stone or oh, Sloan I, or I haven't read them since this period. Uh-huh. Um, but yes. it was I. Our one night in this deep, deep, dark spiritual lull. Um, God convicted me and says, you're reading more books than about things mm-hmm. than reading the book. Mm-hmm. And so I just started turning to scripture. And I think it was a combination of the family 
that of a church family that loved me, prayed for me, and God's word pulled me out of it. And through that is where I realized I had a, I had a true heart for the local church. Um, so I was pursuing a degree in education. Um, I was really, and I was like, okay, God, what are you doing? Are you are you calling me to a church? Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know what that means. The place that wounds. And- the, yes, that hurt me, hurt my sister, hurt my family, hurt my mom, hurt my dad. Seen other people hurt because we had seen pastors. What? No. Um, there's a whole other side of my opposition um, was was financially. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great job. I was 19 years old and I was working for a startup software company um, that was working for the Department of Education. And I had a phenomenal job um, while going through school. And I was like, I can do more for the kingdom mm-hmm. in this software company mm-hmm. and impacting people with generosity than I ever could mm-hmm. living in a parsonage. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all I knew pastors did. You mm-hmm. live in a parsonage and it was, you're either a pastor, you're the worship leader, and maybe you could be a youth guy, but they don't pay them usually. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a volunteer position. It's all volunteer, right? That's it. And mm-hmm. so my purpose started to emerge um, through kind of college and uh, it was, again, God grabbed my heart after a, um, an evening BSU, which is a Baptist student mm-hmm. union um, on our local college, and I just couldn't shake it. Um, I mean, radical way of getting my attention and surrendering on the side of a mountain road um, up near Tigerville, South Carolina. There's mm-hmm. a place called Bald Rock, um, and right there, I was just like, God, whatever, I'm Whatever it is for the local church, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. All of my life, my passions, my skills, um, experiences, hurt and pain, mm. the family matters. Mm. And it's the family of faith, mm-hmm. um, not the person on a stage, not the one who's shepherding. It's the body mm-hmm. that means so much. So, yeah. Amen. That'll Use pray. Yeah. Use me. Yeah. And uh, so. Use me, and I'm scared. And, oh, and- man. Timid, fearful, mm-hmm. um, unequipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those. Mm-hmm. And it's so different. Um, so different. I had to tell my grandfather. Um, I had to tell my dad later on. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get through it. Mm-hmm. When you have to tell people who had dreams or admonitions of success for your mm-hmm. life. And you were achieving those success. Um, yeah. That you're called the ministry. And so uh, it's hard. It's hard conversations. Well, it's, a, it's a constant tug of war when you're, you're like, okay, I'm acquiescing to the God of the universe who's called yeah. me. And I, I know for sure this is what he's called me to do. And I know I have a skill set that can do it well. And then here on earth with the earthly consequences and seeing disappointment of mm-hmm. you could do so much more to be successful. Air, That's uh, it. Uh, Laura is air using quoting. air quotes. Air yes. Quotes. And that the, the measure of success that, that yeah. the earth, the world uses and so you're sitting in, the, and I don't know, I would just think it would be this weird tension between feeling peaceful in submission and then also this other side of feeling like a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel um, insecure, disappointed. And, and man, does it take a lot of faith in something that, mm-hmm. you know, in your young 20s, you haven't experienced a whole lot of the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you've experienced just a little bit of it. And so you have to put a lot of faith in what you believe and what you're you're feeling and and being led towards, mm-hmm. so that leads us into college yeah. and uh, kind of where did you keep that educational major or did you I change didn't. it? Um, so yeah, I went all in right before um, the practicum is what is practice uh, where you go and do sit in a classroom and take the fun test. I mm-hmm. left and hightailed it and said, well, I better learn more about the Bible mm-hmm. and switched over to a, a local school and began pursuing a Christian studies degree. So. That's a big choice. So you went all, you did go all in. We went all in. We did. And then, yeah, fast forward. Um, I mean, I went all in when we've ended up going to seminary too. It was one of these things where it's like, okay, I, I still don't know when, when what When did you, you meet Leslie? In college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she was actually at the school I transferred into. We became really good friends uh, for two years. We were just friends. Um, I tried to actually pawn her off on several other people. And then... <laughs> One so day, it was, it was, it was, it's the funny part of our story of how many people I tried to set her up You thought up she with. was so awesome. You're like, you've got to yes, date this girl. That's exactly. I'm not going to do it, but she's great. And it, it's exactly how we talked about it. And we'd hang out and we would show up to different things. And 
And she ended up sitting in my, she's a sport management major. Um, and she That's ends cool. up sitting in my Paul in his letters class on a semester. And I look over, I'm like, what? Why is she here? And then just God's like, you start seeing the spiritual side of my mm-hmm. wife and you start seeing her love for the word and for people. And God just like, just dropped. And I was like, that's who I want. Mm. Stop sending her to everyone else. And so <laughs> two years we were friends, two years we dated um, and got engaged. And But I still, yeah, I moved. I went down to seminary before we were engaged. Mm. Um, I actually left in, I left my job in, uh, for the startup company and the software company in May and traveled through Thailand as a, um, as my second kind of mission trip wow. and working with an organization um and during the summer, and then I came right back and went straight to New Orleans. And so I didn't see Leslie from May until I proposed to her in September. And then she graduated in December, and we got married in January. So she planned like a four-month wedding. And I was already in New Orleans. So I just wow. I told her, I said, this is how life will be. I'm going to be radically obedient to God, um, and it's going to take a lot of faith. We have a picture on our wall uh, that is I used when I proposed to her. Um, it's basically me stepping out in faith and reaching behind and saying, join me. Because mm-hmm. um, that's all. I have no idea what is in front of us. Mm-hmm. But if you'll join me on this faith journey, I promise God will take care of us. And where all so, have y'all lived at this point? Uh, that was just, she was all South Carolina. She had never been out of South Carolina. And so I took a Southern Belle and immediately took her out of South Carolina and put her into New Orleans then we went New Orleans, still not sure in what God wanted me to do in ministry. Um, I continued doing a lot in the, my background is in student finance mm-hmm. um, for for-profit colleges. I put a lot of people in debt who might be listening to this, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I created the platforms for a lot of your kids to go in debt, possibly too, and I'm sorry for that. Um, so we went from New Orleans to Atlanta. Uh, we went from Atlanta to Pittsburgh. Um, I went from Pittsburgh to South Carolina pursuing what God had in our life and trying to figure out my wiring and my unique fit for the church. Um, So we've done everything from church planting, traditional churches, rapid growing churches. Um, I was a lead pastor for a little while and shut that church down. So I've actually planted and It's like a mic drop. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) boom, we're done. Um, So we've planted, yeah, we've planted, we've buried, I've been a part of of what's called um, radical growth um, Mm -hmm. in a church. Uh, help launch nine different campuses um, in ministries and churches, all autonomous in our last role in South Carolina. And then three years ago, um, where's about four years ago, God began moving on our hearts and stirring us to come. And I read the job description for Dallas Bible Church. I was like, there, mm. that's where I want to be. Um, that's where I think God can use us. And then we transitioned here in 2018. And, and I remember all when you guys, sailing. I remember when you guys, yeah, it's been so easy at DBC so. now. But I remember when you guys, um, you kind of telling that piece of your story and or in your marriage mm-hmm. that you you said I'm all in mm-hmm. for wherever he calls me and and she said yeah. cool like I'm sure that there it, it's not that easy there have no. been hard spots and moving is hard and making new friends is hard and mm-hmm. especially if, if you have any kind of roots um, like with family and stuff like that yeah. friends um, but I think that's so cool that she is seeing your skill set, seeing your unique giftedness and, Mm -hmm. and that she, you know, loves the God you serve. So she's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I guess I'll join the journey. Like as hard as this is, I'm more scared of saying no. That's it. And then, and she's held me accountable too. Um, in times where it's been easier to drift back into student finance or other opportunities, she'll, she'll say, that's not what the the, God's blessing isn't centered upon you working Mm-hmm. In a Fortune 500 company, God's blessing mm-hmm. is centered upon our obedience to what He's told you. Right. Um, her obedience, my obedience combined, and and we we define success not as material gain or um, we define success for our family as obedience to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so success is how obedient are you to what God has told you. Mm-hmm. And so it's been hard. It's been difficult. The first time I moved her to New Orleans, I told her we had a gated apartment building, um, and in her mind, she thought you pull through a gate and there's a 
bunch of buildings, like 20 or 30 of them, because that's all she's ever seen. And what I really meant was, no, you park on the side of a street and you go up to a gate and you open the gate and you're inside this little compound. Um, <laughs> and our cars got broken into. Oh my gosh. And I shot. We didn't have power the first night. We rough. ate We ate Pop-Tarts and grape juice that her grandmother had sent with us oh my on gosh. our first night post-honeymoon oh in my New gosh. Orleans. And she was like, yeah, this insecure. She's like... Oh, this is what it's going to be like. Um, so, so. When we went to Pittsburgh, another housing story. Um, uh, th- th- there's parts that we may not have told everyone, so I have to be careful. Um, when we went to Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> I think now's the time. It is. It may be. Uh, we went to Pittsburgh, and we were supposed to stay in a mission house. And we had actually found out that she was pregnant. Mm. And uh, we show up to this mission house, and they had cats. And my, she's highly allergic to cats. And so, like night one, new city. They just city, had cats living in the mission house previously. Okay. Yes, and you could tell. And she was like, night one, new city. Ugh. She can't take medication. She doesn't know what to do if her allergies flare up. And we're like, we can't stay at the home that was supposed to be our home over the next two years. Mm. And we're having to like completely flip and go all around. And and she was gracious, and she adapted well. And um, she's we've that mentality. It's difficult to move 16 hours away from family, but it wasn't mm-hmm. our first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just seen God's faithfulness everywhere we go. Um, you are you talking about like that that house. Like I have lived in multiple places where um, <laughs> it was like questionable safe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, like I grew up in Bossier City, Louisiana, where there was a liquor store on every corner, so like that doesn't scare me. Like it, I, I'm I'm not easily scared. So right. like I I ain't scared about somebody breaking into your car or whatever. That just that's like, you know, that happens. It mm-hmm. so, but uh, I you're you're making me think of when I lived when I first moved to Dallas and I was here for seminary. We lived in a nice neighborhood that was adjacent to a not nice neighborhood, mm-hmm. and every single one of us had our cars broken into. Mm-hmm. and um just parked on the street because we the people that we lived with worked for the seminary had moved out the you know, outside of the city mm-hmm. and they but they still had all their stuff like in the garage and all the built-ins every drawer was filled with like just their their like junk like if you it was like our house and we just abandoned it okay yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so there was just no place to put anything. And I remember I had a really kind of stiff roommate um, from California. Um, hi, Karen. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> but she was just really like by the book, you know, like me, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, like. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember one day she came into the kitchen and we were sitting at the table and we, you know, occasionally played practical jokes on her just because she was so, um, you know, kind of a fun target to play mm, practical mm. jokes on because that's what she, bullies say, mm-hmm. but go ahead. Yeah. That's what police say. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you know, you just like, you know, sometimes you just like, you just get to loosen up. Like, so we would play practical jokes on her. And, um, anyway, she comes into the kitchen and she's like, Jessica, I need to know if you moved my car because it, if you moved my car, um, I, I, I want my car now. Um, if you don't tell me I'm calling the police mm. and, um, and, and I'm like, I did not move your car. She's like, no, I'm telling you, did you take my car? And, and I was like, I did not take your right. car. But I'm like, in that, in that moment, I'm like, that is brilliant. Why have I not <laughs> thought of this? I should have moved her car around the corner. Like a thousand times. First thought my first thought as my, as, as my, as my, as my, Yes, burgled. It was it was stolen. Her car was stolen. stolen. But I, in my mind, my first thought was like, "How did I not think of that?" Been a great, brilliant. Point. I and and then it's like I've never had an opportunity again to steal someone's car because it was already but, stolen. You know, watch it if you ever come like stay at my house. I might steal your car just because I'm like I that sounds so. So I parked fun. way down the street, anyways, just because I thought I know. Pre- the spirit was telling me I shouldn't park close to Kyle's your house. already car, Kyle's That's already taken it, it for a joyride. He's moved it around. You wouldn't even find it right now. So. Yes. Anyway, all that to say. Sorry to derail. That we, was an we, edit we, alert. We do that occasionally. We it's do. All right. Um, so you, what happened with the cat house? 
<laughs> so this is the interesting thing about church planting. Um, so I didn't even know what church planting was. No one taught me church planting in my undergrad or even in my seminary days. And um, we were thankful we got trained really well uh, mm-hmm. by a church in Atlanta. And um, But what they don't tell you about church planting is unless you're the lead pastor, you're probably not going to get funded. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had to actually live in somebody else's house. There was a, the local associational missionary um, took us in, and we slept on their couch for a month. That's um, fun with until your first pregnancy. It is absolutely great until we could uh, land an apartment, and I had to go. At, at that time, I tell people I was tri-vocational, mm-hmm. um, so I was serving as an executive pastor of a church plant launch. I was selling um, landscaping and designing landscape and selling Christmas Naturally. trees Naturally. at a local nursery, and then I was also working. I switched gears and started helping people invest their money which is really bad in 2007 and 2008. That was not a great not a good time. couple of years for that. So those are my three jobs. You should have tried to get apartment. people into houses. That would have been great. For- yeah. <laughs> we, so, we got ourselves in a house and we were thankful. Hey, that's great. That's it. Jeff, so. uh, can you tell us about a time where you felt like God kind of showed up in the struggle? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's multiple, and I hope you'd hear that through the different um, mm. stories I've already shared. Uh, you know, the first one of just, of just even the, the detour of my faith, the darkness of 2000, 2001, um, then God absolutely showed up when you're, you're choosing, uh, to go live in a new city and pursue him Mm -hmm. and hoping that the girl you're dating will want Mm -hmm. to come with you. Mm -hmm. Um, then God showed up when we relocated to Pittsburgh. Um, we had, we had looked at different options and just trying to figure out what God made me. Um, and even a little bit of that story, it took, God showed up through someone else. Um, there's a gentleman named Jim Aiken who sat me down and he said, Jeff, go plant a church. You and Leslie will do phenomenal. We're in our counseling session with him. He goes, y'all would do phenomenal planting. He goes, you can grow it, shepherd people, um, minister, impact a local community, and you would do well. Mm. Or... Your gifting and wiring is really good to come alongside as a number two. Mm. And there are some highly visionary people in the kingdom that need number twos to execute and to make multiplying kingdom impact. And that was God showing up through someone else just finally, finally, after you know 10 years of understanding that I wanted to serve a local church, I was given permission that I didn't have to be the pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That I can serve mm-hmm. the church the way God made me and wired me, and that there is a role for me, and such a in like such an important role, absolutely and so meaningful. It is, and it is, um, yeah, it was freedom, mm-hmm. and it it was one of those things where God showed up through someone else, not a a word that I read or a prayer time, which He's always done that, um, but using someone else to just encourage me to inspire something new for us, and that's what began us why we partnered and we went and planted in Pittsburgh. Um, and he is, his faithfulness has, has always shown up. Uh, whether the other thing I mentioned earlier was the financial difficulties um, of of give, giving my life into ministry and that parallel. You're saying this is not a lucrative profession? Oh, it is. It just depends upon what your definition of success is. Tons of jewels. <laughs> Tons of jewels Tons in of heaven. Jewels. Um, I, <laughs> oh, I feel... Here's my I bags very, of diamonds. I'm very... I'm very blessed. Um, it just depends upon your definition of mm-hmm. success. Um, and, you know, I was at the point, um, I always have fought Satan a lot, and you kind of get used to his tactics, and he's not very smart, mm-hmm. and he usually uses the same one over and over again. So it's always been like the financial stress mm-hmm. or something. So when you talk about I'm leaving a Fortune 500 company in mm-hmm. which I'm one of the top young under 30 professionals overseeing a market territory of three states mm-hmm. to go plant, I'm using air quotes, mm-hmm. to go plant a church as a non-funded pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, You're we saying were, that didn't sound super appealing for your finances. No, we were living in an 8 by 10 travel <laughs> trailer. Um, we moved out of our apartment and Leslie and I moved into a campground and we were campground host. Oh my God. And I oh, commuted wow. in Atlanta to my job and man, you don't want to see God show up 
you go up, you end up in Pittsburgh and you don't have a house. What do you do Mm -hmm. when you look at your, your statements and you're like, okay, I, now I have to go put a deposit down. Mm -hmm. I have to go and find one that we can afford at least for the next couple months where the rest of our funding comes in. Mm -hmm. And I've just seen them show up in those areas a lot. Um, man, I tell you what, um, I've seen them just even recently with the pandemic and with what, uh, pivoting churches, and not wasting experiences. Uh, One of my first roles at my previous church, I was asked to go into and um, they said, hey, our production area is a mess and we really need someone to come in and to help develop a team and execute our production and get it back where we need it to be. And I I can't play an instrument. I, I love computers, but I have zero gifting. And spent a year and a half of that church just completely overhauling their whole production. Um, and developing team leaders and everything. And then here I'm at Dallas Bible, and you know, mm. on a Friday, we make a, a decision that this Sunday will be our last Sunday in gathered person, and we're going to have to pivot and figure out what that looks like. And all of a sudden, God's showing up like, remember all that training? Mm-hmm. Get ready. Yeah, You're getting ready to have to man cameras and edit software and check, make sure that you can get everything to producers and video, video editors and get it back turned into a digital formats. And instantaneously, God shows up and he doesn't waste the experience and he used it. Um, so those aren't the deep spiritual, maybe, feelings or emotions, but it's, it's a constant reminder that God shows up through people. God shows up through um, experiences you thought maybe mundane and maybe not in your giftedness. God has shown up um, in the doubts and the fears. Well, and, and sometimes I think sometimes he I think he shines brightest when he shows up in the details, mm-hmm. like when it's not these big shiny moments, but it's like, hey, you can take this little church and you can put it online because. You have a skill set, remember, from a couple years ago when you were doing that production stuff. I don't know. I just think sometimes in the details, you're like, oh, wow, you're in this too? Mm -hmm. I thought you, like, I don't know. That always just surprises me. It is. Yeah, it's, you use the phrase, um, so one of my, my life verses comes from Genesis 15, and it's where Abraham is doubting God, okay? And so he is having the, the father of faith who has been given a promise of God is doubting his inheritance and what God had promised him. And in this passage, um, he's standing inside of his, his canvas house and God tells him, he says, step outside and look up to the stars, the things that shine, the bright, the details. And he says, and if you can count them type of a thing. And that's the reason it is, is so often I'm putting an eight foot ceiling of what Jeff thinks God can Mm do on Jeff's life Mm -hmm. or on a church's life or on somebody else's life. I put man-made ceilings over what the promises of God are. And, and then what I need to do is I need to step out into the canvas of God to his creation. Look for the little details because in Genesis early in Genesis one, he says he's made the stars also Mm -hmm. like, it's just a subset of, all the creation he did, this one little detail is the stars. Mm-hmm. And he says he made them also. So get out there, look up to the sky, and remember the promises God has given mm-hmm. to you. Remember his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Remember you're limiting what he wants to do instead of stepping into the promises that he's given you in the details. They shine mm-hmm. bright. They're everywhere. So I started under a star. Mm-hmm. Stars have always played a part in my life. And of course, when you get to Texas, you live under the flag with a star. Yeah. The stars at night are big and bright. It's almost like... Except in Dallas. Is. But in Big yeah. Bend, yes, they're very bright. I, well, when we were looking for a house, it was one of the things um, I told our realtors, I have to be able to see the constellation Orion from wherever we live. Um, and if I don't, then I won't I won't move here. And there, he was like, what? I said, <laughs> just trust me. And um, we were going, and we didn't even buy the house. Um, I didn't get to see the house. Leslie came and purchased it all on her own. Um, and so I got like a Facebook tour of it all. And I was like, oh, I hope I hope I can see the stars. I hope I can mm-hmm. see the stars. First night on my back patio, I look up in Orion. It's just screaming at me. And I'm like, God is faithful. Even in yeah, Plano, huh? In even in details. Plano. You can see it. It's good. Yeah. He's in the details. Yeah. And, and I don't know why I'm always so surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I'm like, wow, he did that. Like, of course he did. Yeah, he does. So. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I think it was really brave, but that seems just on brand for you that you just kind of bravely step into stuff. 
And personally, I'm just thankful for what you've done at Dallas Bible Church and that you've kind of showed up at this new church, but it doesn't feel like it was new to you and you're really invested in it. Um, and I think you've made a big difference. Thank you. It's been good for our family. Yeah. Um, it's been a good place to raise kids at. It's been a good place to grow your my faith, mm-hmm. my prayer life. And uh, I tell people I, I love every bit of what I get to do to serve the church. Mm-hmm. Well, so. the mouses have been good for the Dallas Bible family. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah. half of your time has not been the easiest time. And I think that mm-hmm. you were definitely necessary. I, we've heard repeatedly from someone in our life group that um, Jeff's awesome. Jeff's the real deal and he's awesome. So I guess I I agree. (laughs) I hope I tell, I just want to inspire others. Uh, Again, I remember myself as a young kid, given an opportunity to serve at a church Um, doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be great. And then God just begins showing up in that individual's life Mm. Um, through relationships, serving, being a part of the body. It is the best family to overcome hurts and to develop purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, the family of faith is is stronger in my life than a lot of other things. And it didn't. It helped me heal. Um, and it's given me and it's given me eternal purpose mm-hmm. um, and also earthly purpose. Mm-hmm. So well I think you breathe that into other people too. And mm-hmm. that is to me one of the reasons why we asked you to come on the show. Even though you were like, Well, aren't you already gonna ask Warren and he's on staff? Mm-hmm. And he said it just like that. I like, did. That I did. I was like, like, Do you like want him. to staff people? And he, but he sounded it's like so goofy much when better. He said, Do you uh-huh. really want to like, okay, right. I sound like goofy. <laughs> no, I was saying it in a Can you edit time. that on this one that she just called me a character from a cartoon? We're it gonna, is yeah. like and my last name's Mouse, so you could have at least referenced me. Mickey. Uh-huh. Mouse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, that's Kyle always gets annoyed with me because whenever I quote him to him, I'm I always use a dumb voice. So he's mm-hmm. he's like, why can't why can't I sound cool whenever you're quoting me yes. back to you? But mm-hmm. Laura knows how well I do voices, so it, it is what mm-hmm. it is. But um, but we one of the reasons why I felt like it was important to have you on here be, is because um, you I I do feel like you you breathe that support like that um support for purpose, um, into other people. Mm -hmm. And you certainly, I think Laura and I have felt your support for this podcast. It means a lot to us. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it it means a lot to us to have men in our congregation that actually listen to this, that Mm -hmm. actually care about the women in, in our church and what Mm -hmm. is driving them. And so I just think it's really cool. You know, some, I think sometimes people think that this podcast is just, women listening to women's stories and the fact that there's several men in our congregation that, that really see the, the women as equal partners mm-hmm. and, and value, value their stories is, is really cool. And I know that you are one of those people. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. That matters a lot. Well, um, is there anything on your list that we didn't mm. that we didn't get to that you think um, For, we would we wouldn't know Jeff Mousa if we didn't hear this. This is like bonus fodder for mm-hmm. your um, for right. for uh, yes, the, the hidden out- the or, hidden track. Mm-hmm. Of that's the right, podcast. the outtakes. Uh, there was a, a big change. I tell people all the time, if you haven't done a study called Halftime by Bob Buford, uh, mm-hmm. for those of you women who might be listening to this and your husbands are in the ages between 35 and 45 and you're thinking they're going through a midlife crisis, send them to me. Um, let me sit with them. Let me walk them through this study called Halftime with Bob Buford and some of the questions that really helped me figure out what to put in my box. And so when people... You know, I have a lot of stories I can share, but at the heart of who I am, I want to be faithful to my family. Mm. Um, I want to be faithful to my family. I saw hurt with a divorce, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to raise my kids that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be faithful um, to my calling. Uh, we find that obedience uh, to my calling brings success in our family and success around us and success mm-hmm. in those who we get to serve. And, and he defines success as cash money, in no, case you haven't. No. Bitcoin, right? It's Bitcoin <laughs> yeah. and crypto. And some, buy some Dogecoin. It is. It is. Um, and the third thing I put in there was just in my box, faithful to my family, faithful to my calling, and faithful to my faith. Um, a lot of people in our culture right now, and I did this in 2016, so there wasn't a term deconstructing mm-hmm. your faith and evangelicalism in 2016. You were deconstructing before deconstructing was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I fully can even uh, define what deconstructing means. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if half the people that deconstructed their faith can define it. No. And so I was like, you know what? 
God has just, the, there's a song, the evidence of his goodness is all around mm-hmm. me, right? His faithfulness has marked my life, like birthmarks, mm-hmm. has marked my life. Why wouldn't I be faithful to him? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? And um, so I would encourage, you know, there's a lot of struggles. Um, in my, if people want to know more of my story, there's a lot that we didn't talk about. Just um, I have a huge heart for people who are struggling with addictions. Mm-hmm. I've walked a lot of people through um, how, to, how to minister and that God's not done. I have a huge heart for the marginalized and the lost in our community that are qu- consistently overlooked by church. Um, what does it feel like in the insecurity of a lost person walking onto your property and in through the doors and the confusion that sometimes churches put off um, without even knowing it? And so any of those, I would encourage not just on this podcast, but come find me, mm-hmm. um, email me, come sit down. I love, I tell people, take me out to coffee or take me out for ice cream, or I can do the same because I love coffee and ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah, that's awesome. I think you need, might need to start a men's group. I think I could <laughs> think of... And Laura might go because she likes coffee and ice cream. Not ice cream as much, right? Yeah. And I've well. already established I'm an inner boy. So <laughs> fit right in. Fit right in. Well. well, Jeff, we're so glad that you came and joined us. Um it was it was it was really cool to get to know you. And honestly, I'd I'd like to take you to coffee because mm-hmm. I'd like to hear more of, of your story. You've already blessed me with part of it that I I, I feel like um I'd like to hear more of that. Great. So look forward um, to it. Yeah, that would, that would be great. But uh, thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed our first ever episode of our mini... Uh, what mid-season it, man session. Mid-season man session, it. yes. yes. Uh, and Jeff, thank you for being game to come on and um, uh, visit with us a little mm-hmm. bit with Sight Unseen. So yeah. we, we Just appreciate it. Go Tigers, right? Yeah, that's right. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm double go Tigers, you know that, right? Yeah, I'm I do. I'm, I'm go Clemson Tigers, uh-huh. and I'm go go LSU Tigers. Yeah. I'm G E O G E A U X go Tigers. Too. That's right. That's right. Appreciate All right. right, thank you. Well, and both of them are a complete and total disaster this year. It's don't, get a, don't start talking about college. No, you football. can edit that out too. I, I told um, I told Pat was giving me uh, Pat Mooney was giving me a, a hard time a, a couple weeks ago, and I uh, and I I started quoting him to himself, which. He he's been he's he's been saying about the Aggies that they, they can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I feel with the Tigers. They, they can't, can't hurt me, me anymore. Me. It's, it's just yeah. too it's too deep. The wound that's is it. too deep. It's that's like it. what whatever, right? That's it. You just wait just for next year. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. Mm-hmm.